Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. We need to talk about the rules we have in this country for people seeking international protection. We heard last month that refugees who returned to Ukraine uh, for holidays would face losing their accommodation here. And that seems logical, doesn't it? Because the whole idea of being a refugee or seeking international protection is that you're fleeing war or you're fleeing your life being in danger. And that this policy was supposed to be a way of making Ireland less appealing to those fleeing war from Ukraine or indeed other countries. However, the Department of Children, Equality, Disability and Integration and Youth has now decided, that's a lot of departments all in one, isn't it? Have decided to permit beneficiaries of temporary protection to travel freely for the Christmas period which doesn't make a huge amount of sense if you ask me. Refugees can now be absent from their state-provided accommodation between the 22nd of December and January the 5th without having to notify the authorities in advance. So I'm heading off on holidays back to the country where my life is in danger. Now, the change does not affect refugees currently residing in accommodation, recognition payment, pledged or modular housing who are already entitled to travel as they wish. Sadly, the Ukrainians... Um, for the Ukrainians, this new shift in policy does not take into consideration, of course, that the Ukrainian Christmas is actually January the 7th, which I didn't know, by the way. But that's beside the point. I'm sure the government have just slipped up with their dates. They'll probably reassess it and say the 8th or something now or something like that. Anyway, they can head off for three weeks if they want to. Anyway, what I want to know is, and I want to keep this respectful if we can, what are we doing here? I mean, a refugee is what you call a human who cannot go to their own country of origin because their life is in danger. And we're not making a mockery of that concept, or are we not making a mockery of that concept by allowing them a Christmas break? Or is this the humane thing to do? And there could be a method in the madness. Is this the government banking on the fact that some people will travel home might want to stay there? After all, most of these people want nothing more than to be able to return home, I imagine. Look, we all do what we have to do when times get tough. This isn't about the individual. This is about government policy. But does it make sense on any level to allow refugees to go home for Christmas? Does it make any sense whatsoever to you? Because isn't that what Leo Varadkar already said two weeks ago? It's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. I mean, didn't Leo Varadkar only say two weeks ago, there's a capacity, and we're currently at that capacity, and yes, there are people gaming the system. And there are people who are coming as a secondary country from other countries where Ireland is more attractive financially to them because they get accommodation and money. And double the money that they get anywhere else. And here we are. And he also mentioned the going home. And we're aware of the fact that Ukrainian people are going home uh, to, Ukrainian, you know, to Ukraine to get you know, surgery or hospitals work or whatever done or dentistry and then coming back to Ireland. That doesn't seem logical. Now, I am going to get people to come on the show and use the argument that, okay, there's a war in Ukraine, but it's only in a certain part of Ukraine. And the majority of Ukraine is not at war. And why didn't people in Ukraine in the first place just move to different parts of Ukraine where there wasn't a war? Like, for example, if there was a war between London or England and Dublin, sure, the people from Dublin could just move to Cork and Kerry and Galway. Not the people of Cork and Kerry and Galway would appreciate that, but we could just move there, you know? So... That is going to be an argument that people are going to make. And I, understand, and I do understand that argument. I appreciate that argument. Hotels in parts of Ukraine at the moment that are not affected by war are doing a roaring trade. So, I don't know if I'd like to go on holidays there at the moment, but however, some people might not mind. 
You can still book five-star hotels on booking.com to go to Ukraine on holiday if you want to. So should we be allowing people to go home for holidays or is that just taking the piss out of our own system? Let me know what you think. Or maybe you believe that's the humane thing to do. It's the right thing to do, sure. You know, they want to be with their families. Which doesn't make sense because they left their families because there's a war. I, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence here, I'll be honest with you. Let me know what you think. The number is 87 8 Let me go to Sarah. Sarah, hi. Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Sarah, is this, do you think this is just the humane thing to do, to let people go home for Christmas? What are you going home to? to see if if they're over here, like, under the conditions that they can't live in their own country because of the war. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Like, does their T-shirt need, like, I don't want to be rude, but, like, if they're out in between his ears. Like, I just don't get it, right? I can understand, right? And the empathy goes out to the ones that really had a bad. And I'm I'm so happy that some are coming into our country and they're settling down. And we had a thing there on the news. They're integrating into our society and they're getting educated and they're going to bring their business into our country and they're going to settle. Fair play to them, right? And I don't know, 80% of my heart, yeah, let them go if they want to go and visit family. But if somebody is running, and that's exactly what it is, they're actually running from a country that they either thought you were going to get killed, murdered, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why they want to go home if they're running from that. And not only that as well, now, like, I, like, I don't know an awful lot about you know, coming through Ireland without, like, passport and getting free PRSI numbers. How are they going to police it? How are they going to monitor it? I don't know. You know, you have that side of it as well. And then, like, you have other areas of the world that are in crisis as well. I'm not going to say that they're going to be jumping on the bandwagon. Like, that could be another exit for them to enter our country as well, mm-hmm. adding on to the refugee crisis that we have at the moment. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, to me, it makes sense in one way. If the ones that are already here and that have settled or are settling here and there's no going back and they probably have relatives that are not in the danger zone and they probably want to go on to the holiday and celebrate it or whatever, that's okay and let them come back. But if they're not in the, da- and, but, but if they're not in the danger zone or they can come from a place that's in the danger zone, what are they doing here? No, but now, like, it's like Ireland, like, you could live in the arsehole of Kerry and you could have relatives in Dublin. You know what I mean? Well, you yeah, but, but it's much Dublin. less likely. Because you have to understand, Ukraine is the size of France. It's huge. Huge. Yeah, but now, like, 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 I'm, like, I understand, but I don't understand why they're allowed to go home and come back. Like, if they're actually saying it's home, it is their home, let them go home and stay there and build their life. Let the government give them the support if they want it. Let them give it in their own country and build their life back up there. Because that's what any person would like to do. I'd like to do that if that ever happened in Ireland. And if I had to flee to another country, I'd like to be able to return back to my own country and build a life up for myself. Well, you would. when Once you believe your own country is safe, you would like to return to it. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, well, the, well then, obviously those who are going home, if I'm Ukrainian and I'm heading home for Christmas on my holidays, well, then I must believe it's safe because I'm not going to go to a country where I believe my life is in danger. Unless I'm crazy. Chris 
driving home on Christmas. <laughs> but no, it doesn't make sense. No, seriously. Because, like, as you said there, like, there's some part of them then admitting to themselves, like, that they're taking the piss out of our system. Like, you come to Ireland, they're getting this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Then they're able to go back over. Now, I know a lot of people have came to our country that have left loved ones back home yep. that doesn't know what state they're in or what environment they're in. Like, they're probably lost and stuff like that. I'd say there's still a little bit of that going on. Yeah. But, like, for our government to turn around and say, right, it's okay, we'll allow them out of the country, like, cause they're going to be out for around two months because under their tradition, their Christmas, their celebrations, they celebrate it totally different the way we would. Yeah, like, they... it's going to be an awful mm. lot of trafficking. And less, I'm not saying it, it would be great in a sense that if you do go home and that's it, you won't come back. Well, maybe maybe that, but that's what I'm saying. That's, that. The cynical part of me is saying maybe that's the plan with the government. That they're hoping that many of them will go home and not come back. No, I doubt that very much. Well, I, I doubt because they've so much to lose. The government has so much to lose with that. Like, I think our country has a big ego buzz at the moment. Like, when you hear politicians speak on the telly, look how well we're doing. Aren't, like, we, aren't and, we great? And then you were speaking today in your podcast about news, like, and stuff like that. Like, where do you go and get your news from? You know what I mean? Like, and if we hadn't got social media, and if we, sorry, if we hadn't got the internet or anything like that, none of us would be any wiser to what's happening. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, your clock caught between a rock and a hard place. I do feel... No, I mean, we were, you're right. We were, and, talk, and another, we were talking about that today, and the, new, the news is, is a big problem. Yeah. But how can you afford it, like, as well? That's another thing, like. How are you going to... Like, is air government going to actually pay them tickets to do what? Like, because... Like, what I'm hearing is that the majority of them are, I'm not saying the majority, but there is a few out there that are so, like, complaining about this, that, and the other. Like, I think Ukrainians that are coming into the country, they should be grateful. They have a roof over their head. They food, And I think that's exactly where every, you're entitled to your needs, not your wants. Like, we all want big things in life that we can't have, we can't afford. And we just have to live by that way. But they seem to want more. I mean, you've made a good point. If you're on a welfare payment or a payment from the state, which is cla- it's called the accommodation recognition payment, right? If you're on a payment from the state for your accommodation and you're spending money as a refugee and you're not working yourself, you'd wonder how people can afford to go home. Niall, I know my own heart and soul. I've seen it down the road from where I live. Lads have been getting off coaches. Like, and I'm not living here this long. And over the years, and now they have their own business. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I look, I do look at myself in the mirror some days and I say, like, did I do something wrong with my life or something? Like, am I missing out on something? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that I'm getting resentful or anything. I'm saying, what in the name of God, like? Like, what I had to do to get where I am today but yeah, people can come over in a blink of an eye and you have everything and even more. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, like, I, I don't want to sound, like, I don't want to sound distasteful towards them. I know there is people out there and it's very hard times 
But it's very hard times for people that are in Ireland. Like, I'd love to be able to go to a different country and visit people. But I can't do that because I can't afford it. Mm. You know? Well, ha- well, no, well, hang-, well hang on a second, Sarah, because I want to bring Kathleen in. But just before I do that, just a message to play here. Hang on. Hi, Niall. Anne here. Um, I was just going to say what Sarah has just said. A lot of the women and children that came over here have left husbands and boyfriends and brothers behind who did stay to fight. I know your argument will be there's lots of young men come over here, but there are still a lot of men that remain there to fight. This might be their chance to go back and see them for the first time in a year, maybe two years. Um, And there is still trouble, even in Kyiv last night, Russia attacked Kyiv last night with mortars and bombs and all sorts Mm -hmm, of things. mm -hmm. So let them go, let them go home. Maybe they're going home to see what the possibility is of create, you know, getting their lives back on track. Is there any possibility to see what remains? So let them go. All right. Loving the show. All right. Thanks, Anne. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of agree somewhat with what you said, but I still, if I was here with my kids and I'm a woman and my husband was back fighting a war, in wherever part of Ukraine it happens to be, I don't know if I'd want the risk of bringing my family back to a place where your life was in danger that you were running away from in the first place, even if your husband is there. I get that. And but by no, the way, the statistics point out, by the way, 18 to 25-year-old Ukrainians that are in Ireland, 46% of them are male, as far as I know. I think it's 46% were male. So I, I don't know, that whole rule that they are supposed to have had, that men aged 18 to 65 weren't allowed to leave the country. I don't know where that went because a lot of them did and they, they arrived here in Ireland as well. Anyway, sorry. No, you were, yeah, go no, ahead, can I, No, go can ahead. I just say one more thing as well? Like, I know through over the years between working um, with uh, different cultures and stuff like that, um, and when they're coming into our country and where companies and jobs do sponsor them. And I do know like that like they have to spend at least something like two years in the country to see can they prove to the state and to the government are they able to support without getting any help or benefits from the government and then they can ask to bring their husband and their children into the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering is there something like that or policy with do you with do you you Ukrainians yeah 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 do you Ukrainians like well I, but I do know that they weren't mentally at the country between eighteen and sixty five we'll stay there for a second let me unless the specific criteria Kathleen hi how are you hello now is it is it inhumane yeah. to tell people they can't go home for Christmas now they've escaped from the war zone Ireland have accommodated. All the Ukrainians, they've done everything in their power to keep these people safe. Now, why the hell would they want to go back to a place where there's war? I, I, I just don't get that. I oh, know I find it mind blowing as well, personally. But I personally don't. I think that it's taking advantage of the country. Now, I, you know, I've been here for a long time, but I'm not. It's not about me. But, I mean, you have to, you know, like, what, is it, what the hell is Leo Varaka thinking of? Whoever said they can go home for Christmas to a war zone? Come on. Well, this is, well, not, this is a U-turn because Leo, well, Leo Varaka did say last week that they wouldn't be able to go home. But now they're saying they will. They've changed oh, their mind. You know, I think it's ridiculous. Honestly, now, I feel sorry for them. They put Ireland took them in. There's a lot of other countries in the world took them in. 
because they, you know, they because they were suffering now. I'm sorry, I just can't accept. You know, mm. I can't fathom why they want to go back, and that that's being sensible in my eyes now. Yeah. When a country has put its hand out and and gives you, you know, the best that they can give you, you know, and it's not just one country. I mean, I know we're talking about Ukraine, you know, but to me, I I can't believe that, um, you know, they're they're even. I just beggars belief now. I'm sorry, but I just have to say it the way I, I No, no, no. I feel, I, no say, say what you feel. That's what the show is all about. I mean, I understand why people would have an issue or take issue with it. Because that wasn't the point that Leo Radke was making was that if they go home for two weeks, that the accommodation the government yeah. is providing is sitting idle for two oh, weeks while other awful. people are living in tents. Yeah. There's 12,500 people. I know we've talked about it on the show. I know you've talked about it. There's 12,500 people in Ireland that have nowhere did families temporary accommodation you know yeah, they kind yeah. of you know it's desperate yeah now you know i mean i i i just think that to have the priorities wrong but i but i i can understand the government helping the ukrainians because they would do a clean war i totally understand that i think that mm. that's very good of you know it's very good that they're helping them you know but to let them go home for two or three weeks without, no, now. You think it's just taking the week? And if anybody, do you know? Yeah, they're taking the piss, basically, now. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay, well, stay there, uh, Kathleen. Stay there for a second. Let me just go to Joe as well. Joe, hi, yeah, how are you? Right. Good evening, Niall. How are you? Good. Joe, is this kind of taking the, the urine, or is this a case of just, you know, having some humanity? Well, look, there's a kind of a balance. There's two, there's two things I'm going to say about this, look. I think, number one, look, um, if they're genuine, um, some of them now are probably genuine migrants. I'm not saying they're all out genuine, but if there's some of them genuine and they want to go home to their families, well, I'd let them go home for the, 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 the 10 days or whatever. But I'd also have conditions as well that if they are going home, that when they do come back here, that they have to come back here for work reasons. Or they come here to, uh, if they have good English, if they're uh, in the educational sector, mm. you know? Now, a lot of them are coming here, who probably are coming here, some of them, I'm not saying all, but there's some of them here who probably are working uh, in, in certain jobs. But a lot of them are coming in, and I'm just going down to the illegal migration, you know, because there are a lot of problems with migration in this country. A lot of them are coming in. That's going to get worse, by the way. That because they, you know, Ireland well, is going to get worse. Because well, well, no, there was a story, just to, in case people didn't hear this, Joe, right? There's a story in the Irish Business Post over the weekend. I'm going to read it out to you now. Hold on, I just find it here because I had it to hand in case this situation arose where I might have to read it out. And the story goes, um, and the, the headline in the Irish Business Post was, As Ireland to be liable for more asylum seekers than most other EU countries under new EU pact. And that's because of our GDP. Uh, because our GDP is high, uh, the second highest in Europe, we will now be responsible for taking in more asylum seekers. Well, that's an absolute, that, that's an absolute joke. Well, we've signed I up for it. We, we've signed up to uh, it. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, well I didn't personally sign up to it. You, some people Oh, no, no. I the government, the government did. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. And, and, uh, and getting back to 2004, I didn't vote for the uh, extension of the European Union. I totally was opposed to that because... I knew back in uh, at that time that this was going to come anyway. Mm. This was coming down the tracks. A lot of people thought years ago that we were all far-right conspiracy theorists. But we were actually right now because we knew 
that uh, Ireland was heading down the slum half. And the problem was, mm. the majority of Irish people were blindfolded. Mm. The majority of Irish people were blindfolded because they were hearing uh, agendas from the likes of RT and other um, left-wing media. Unfortunately, you weren't around at the time because when you came around, it was probably the best day ever happened ah, for thanks, Irish Joe. media. Thanks. I'm not joking. I'm serious because you, were the, you gave a balance to people. We never had that in this country for generations. Unfortunately, now, if you come out and speak your mind, you're being classed as a racist, a bigot, a far-right conspiracy theorist. It's absolutely bonkers. Mm. But I do agree that there should be some sort of compassion for genuine uh, asylum seekers if they're working here. Now, I know a lot of Polish, there's a lot of Polish workers who work in shops uh, around the place. They're working actually in Lidl, and a lot of them go back two or three times a year, but they're working here. Well, they're, well, they're EU citizens. Well, they're e- they can yeah. come and go as and they please, yeah. Yeah, and they're kind of... And Poland's not at war, in fairness. Oh, I know that, yeah. So mm. I was talking no. to a couple of Polish people, yeah. and they're totally... They don't agree with this at all. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Kathleen. What are you trying to say there to Joe? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was just, just going to ask you now, when England left, uh, you know, when England Brexit, yeah? Yeah. Would that have had any... Would that have had any influence about how many, you know people from Ukraine or any other war-torn country came, would that have any difference in that, you know? Well, it, well you know? the only difference it makes is Britain can decide because they're not members of the EU anymore. They can decide how many people yeah. they let in. They're not obliged by the European Union to let people in at all. But so, would they have think, taken them in, would, but would they have taken them in, uh, you know, uh, out of out of you know humanity you know oh they, well they did and they took but mind the criteria was very different and they certainly don't pay them as much money um so they yes they did take a, a lot of Ukrainian people in but nothing nothing along the lines of what Ireland has taken okay yeah. mm. right well thanks for answering that uh, now yeah sorry Joe yeah go ahead uh, sorry as you said that a while ago you see the government you know you were the only broadcaster last year who said this that the government made a total pig's ear of it. And a lot of people were laughing at you at the time. Now, I wasn't laughing at you. I agree with you, and there was others who agree with you. But I had other, there was other contributors to other stations here who were saying, oh, we need as many to come in as possible. We have to keep them in here. But how are we going to afford to keep them? Because we were paying huge amounts of money to them, and that money could be used for better use, could go to mm-hmm. better use. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, this country is in a total mess now. And you were talking there about uh, inflation, um, recession. This country has been in recession for a long time. But they were only covering their ass because they didn't want to admit it, because Varadkar and his posh mates wanted to keep the agenda that everything was going fine. Like, you know? well, I, well, I've said that this country is really no better off than it was 10 years ago. The only difference is now is that we have a lot of multinational companies which are paying huge amounts of taxes in this country. And they may be paying low corporation tax, but they're employing a lot of people, paying a lot of PAYE and PRSI, uh, which is basically keeping the right. country afloat. It's a kind of a bit of a false economy, to be honest with you. Yeah, and the sad thing about it then is that you had, an, uh, you had a, a, a government, it took 21 weeks to nearly elect a go- to, to get a government in without uh, consideration of the Irish people. And who walks back in but the party who destroyed this country, Fianna Fáil? I know, that's because there's a national amnesia. <laughs> but Fianna Fáil should never be allowed in power. I wouldn't, like, if Fianna Fáil, I wouldn't allow Fianna Fáil to run a circus, not a mind to run the economy, because they're incapable. Okay, we'll stay there for a second. You can take two if you want to, Jane. Let me just go to Melissa uh, finally on this. Melissa, hi, how are you? Um, good evening, Niall, and again, just to repeat there with that gentleman said, thank you for giving us all a bit of common sense to be able to speak about these issues. 
Yeah, okay. um, I just want to bring up a scenario of a Ukraine. You know the way they get eight hundred a month to stay in someone's house in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. This is, this is called um, the accommodation, a recognition payment. Yeah, that's the one. The ARP. Um, I um, so basically, I know the girl that has gone back to Ukraine seven times mm-hmm. when she came, and this family are getting this eight hundred yep. payment. I know that's happening. She's yeah. literally left her child here, gone off, decided to extend her holiday during the summers, and sent her mother here for a holiday. All in our on the payment. Now this has to stop. It has to stop. We're watching all the Ukraine pages, and they are laughing at us. Of the payment. Some are, are now, not them all, Melissa. They're not all They're, laughing I, at I'm us. Just, no, I don't, yeah. I'm saying the ones I'm reading. Yeah, abusing the system. Um, abusing the system. Yeah, I know. we're watching. They're totally abusing the system. Now I know people that can't afford to go to the next county this Christmas to be with family. Let's not forget we were locked down. And none of us could see family at Christmas during these lockdowns. And all of a sudden, our hearts are bleeding. Um, you know, my thing is, as that gentleman said, if they're working here, fine. You can go and come. Yeah, it's your, it's your own money. You can do what you want. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But for those that are not and are taking this payment, the families, are the families still going to get the 800 when they're gone for their two weeks holidays? I'm assuming you know, so. I'm assuming so, yeah. Yeah, this is the problem. We are now fighting a system here at the moment of just the review on disabilities. They're going to put it into a tree tier. They're going to be pulling out people with to work here in Ireland, Irish people that are on the six on the disability. List. I, I do agree now, with that, Melissa. Seen, I'm not I'm not gonna get into too deep because I've got the time. But I do agree that the disability the payment yeah. is probably so the most abused payment in too. the country. Absolutely. Yeah. But obviously there's people out there really in need as well. Yes. Um, But I'm just going to say there, there's a UK report came out there a couple of days ago that there's 20,000 Ukrainian men that have falsified and that have left Ukraine. So where are we going with these people that that when they come in and say, I have a disability? Mm. I know I'm under review for my son. He's lifetime condition unfortunately but he will want to work please god yeah he's not going to be he's not going to be one of those ones that's going to sponge off the system he's at college and he wants yeah he wants to earn his own crust yeah absolutely and i encourage but but get, getting back to the ukrainians okay the argument from uh the that's department of do but, here now because i've had to get paperwork that's up to my eyeballs or for him being renewed or reviewed under his disability. The medical paperwork I've had to collect this week, in the last two weeks it's taken me actually, doctor appointments, all medical records, you name it. How do we decide these people have a disability? Oh, sorry, all papers are lost. So where is this going? That we are put under such pressure here and that there's no paperwork for these people. The majority of them come in with no paperwork. Let's be, let's face it, like, is it something like 87%? of paperwork gone. So where are all their medical records? How are they going to be getting disabilities or payments the same as I have to with my son and go back of 18 years of medical records I have to produce to um, for him to get that disability payment of 220 and they have no paperwork. How is this going to work? It's not. They are just in a fantasy world and the amount of medical cards involved there's 20,000 medical cards being taken off Irish people every year. I was told that as a local councillor in 2018 by the HSE. They were reducing the medical cards. I know, cards. it's nigh on impossible to get a medical card in this country. Of course, unless you're yeah, Ukrainian. Yeah, and then we have 126 
thousand Mexico cards just handed over. I know, no, no, I know, and and I disagree with that. By the way, even if you are Ukrainian, or no matter what country you happen to be coming from into Ireland, unless you need a medical card, you shouldn't be getting one. You shouldn't just hand exactly. them to people. Everybody who came into Ireland, uh, Ukrainian refugees, all got a medical card. I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. No, I because don't either. I because the criteria, because we have people here three and four times cancer diagnosed. That's what I'm saying. And they can't get a medical card. Unless there was a genuine reason to have a medical card, I don't understand the reason for just handing them out to everybody. But anyway, getting back to the original argument, Leo Varadkar said no initially two weeks ago. Now they've done a U-turn, the Department of Integration, and said yes, they can go home for from the 22nd of December till the 5th of January, so a two-week holiday, if they want to. You don't agree with it? No, I don't agree with it, and I don't agree with the cost of it. And mm. as that, you know, all these places will be all empty when they're gone, and we're still paying for it especially the houses, the people that are getting the 800 for their bedroom, are still being paid in full. There's nowhere where they're saying payments will come, you know, will be held back in any manner because they're all going to be flying off for holidays. I haven't, by the way, I haven't heard this story very much. It was in the mirror the other day, but very few people have been talking about it because it didn't get printed in many of the other papers at all, to be honest with you. Um, And really, I remember initially when the story came out two weeks ago, it was kind of everywhere. But Andy Overeiko was asked about it, I think on News Talk or RTE, I can't remember. But I haven't heard the rebuttal, which is the turnaround, really mentioned anywhere because they don't want to upset people. Just like I mentioned today when I was talking on the podcast, we were talking to John McGurk, and we were talking about the shocking tragedy of Ashling Murphy's um, murder, of course, and Ryan Casey, her boyfriend, and the victim impact statement that he made. And the most despicable part, when we ask people, do they listen or do they trust the news and trust the media, and they're meant to trust the media and trust the news, and particularly when it comes to the national broadcaster, the national broadcaster is meant to be impartial, as are some of our newspapers. They deem themselves to be impartial. And yet when they printed the victim impact statement, a lot of them took out three or four lines. And they were the lines where Ryan Casey asked how a man can come into this country, um, live in this country, get everything for nothing, do absolutely nothing, not contribute whatsoever to this country, and how that can happen. That was taken out of his, I'm, I'm paraphrasing by the way, that was taken out of his victim impact statement because it seemed to be in some way you know, to be discriminatory in some way against a murderer. Why would we be worried that we're offending him? Anyway, but I find it quite shocking that, you know, those kind of things are taking out of the news. And I know, Joe, you talked about that today as well. We were talking. I did indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wouldn't, I don't trust any uh, national media. The only media I would trust is yourself or the the grip media. I'm getting to listen to them now as well. They're actually quite good as well. You know, Ben Scannell, he's a, he is very good. A fearless journalist. And I think he's a, like yourself and Ben, I think there are two only credible journalists in this country that speaks the truth here. All right, thanks very much, indeed, Joe, and we accept the compliment. And Ben, you're right, he is absolutely brilliant at what he does. Um, I don't know how he didn't get a Journalist of the Year award because he asks the questions. You might like him, by the way. You might like him because obviously he's conservative and so are Grip Media. But he asks the questions that a lot of people want to know the answers to. They're never being asked. And you can see the other journalists in the room all kind of going... Jesus, did he really ask him that? And I love watching the faces and the expressions on the faces of the politicians when they go, Ben. And you just know they're looking at him going with contempt as if to say, oh, I believe he's asked me this question. You know, he asks the questions that you want to know the answers to. He was asking the other day, Pascal Donahue, about the 56 million and basically where RTE essentially being compromised and, you know, can they still remain impartial? That's a valid question. Can they be trusted? It's a really valid question. Are they impartial? Are they genuinely impartial? Because most people, when I spoke to today, 
And we must have gone through about, I don't know, 20 or 30 callers today. And not one single person came on the air and said they, they trust the media, the national broadcaster. What state is that that we're in as a country when people listen to RTE, the national broadcaster, the taxpayer broadcaster, whatever about independent radio stations, you know, I do a show, I'm biased. Of course, I'm a human being and I'm biased. And it's a chat show and we throw out opinions and we challenge opinions and all that kind of stuff. You know, Neil Prenderville, he has a bias too. PJ Coogan, he has a bias too. Joe Duffy's a little bit of a bias. We all have a bit of a bias because we have an opinion one way or the other and then we invite people to challenge that view. That's the way it works, right? But RTE is not meant to be like that. You know, when RTE does a programme like Primetime or Today Tonight or whatever, or not Today Tonight, whatever they call the blue thing, Drive Time or Claire Byrne Show or whatever it is, they're meant to be impartial. When they read the news, they're meant to be impartial. You're not meant to leave lines out of a victim impact statement because it doesn't suit some sort of immigration narrative. That's wrong. You're, you're essentially... Somebody said to me before about lying, and I hate liars, right? But they, they said to me about lying. What's worse than lying is not telling the truth. In other words, when you're a kid, it's not that they tell you a lie, but they don't tell you something at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, that's deception. So they don't tell you something. So in other words, imagine your husband gets a two grand bonus at Christmas and your family's stuck for money and he blows it all. Now, you never asked him to get a bonus, so he didn't lie to you, but he never told you he got it. It's the same thing, isn't it? You must tell people the news as it is. And if indeed it comes across as discriminatory, or if indeed it raises a conversation or a debate about the pros and cons of people coming from a certain country into Ireland, so be it. That's what you have to do. Because that is debate. It's like having a village, having the mayor in the village every week coming up with new laws. And he invites the villagers to vote every Friday afternoon at five o'clock. But he only invites the ones who agree with him. He doesn't invite the rest of them. Is that the way we want to run our country? Is that the way the media should operate in Ireland? Absolutely not. And that nonsense, that fantasy that was on RTE the other night, that docudrama, as they called it, that was outrageous. Because it portrayed itself as something that was based loosely on facts of how Ireland would be in 2050. Underwater in Dublin and all that kind of nonsense. And Greta's army running around, you know, grabbing people who weren't abiding by climate rules and policies. It was nonsense. It was a fantasy. And the man who was in that, Mark Little, was the man who was in that. Today we saw the report out about misinformation. Aoife Gallagher. Both come from a company called Storyful. And <clears throat> if you look at both of their profiles, they have a bias. And that's fair enough. They're entitled to have a bias. They're entitled to have a view. They're entitled to have an opinion. But the report wasn't about misinformation that was all over the papers today. The report was about people putting stuff on social media that they didn't agree with. Oh, they noticed that, according to the misinformation, the conversation on social media about immigration had increased. What's wrong with that? That's called debate. It's healthy in a society. Particularly when you've got a lot of people coming into a country. Of course the conversation about immigration had increased because we've just had 120,000 people come into the country over the last 18 months. It's notable. People will talk about it. That's not misinformation. That's just people talking about it. People having an objection to it or not having an objection to it. We're entitled to do that. Same company, by the way, Kinzen, going back three years ago, were paid by the government to do a report every month 
on what people were saying on social media about COVID-19. Hey, I'm famous. I got a mention. The broadcaster, Niall Boylan, this was given to the government. The broadcaster, Niall Boylan, who was recognised for his anti-lockdown theories. <gasps> Horror! That I actually thought lockdowns were a bad idea. Leo Varadkar's own words only two weeks ago, he said that they were too long. It was towards the end of the lockdowns I said that. They were too long. We didn't need them. It was pointless. And the evidence now shows across the world that they measured companies who had lockdowns, companies who didn't, countries that didn't have lockdowns, etc., etc. And they measured it all up and they found out that lockdowns and wearing masks made little or no difference. The virus was going to spread anyway. So what I'm saying is the right-wing people of today tend to be right in about six months' time and everybody else agrees. Like everybody's saying Ireland was full six months ago. And all of a sudden, Leo Varadkar comes out and said, mm, we have a capacity, I think we're at that capacity, which is exactly the same as saying Ireland is full. But what did we call Leo a right-wing loony? No, he didn't. He's not a right-wing he's a left-wing loony. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a headline in the paper? All over all the papers today, the rise of the right wing. When was the last time you saw a report being paid for by the state, or a report, any report, anywhere, that said the rise of the left wing in Ireland? I guarantee you'll never see that, because it won't happen. Yet there's equally as many people on the left-wing extreme who are nutjobs as well. Would you agree? Yes, Jane, you would. Now, now. real people, real opinions. Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.